As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast. And when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. Prodigy is a production of iHeartRadio. Have you ever tracked your time? Like, seriously, measured all the things you do on a weekly basis and quantified it so you could get perspective? I haven't, and the concept is so foreign to me that I doubt I ever will. But I am curious about how much time I've wasted. Wait, actually, hang on. Okay. Oh my god. I've played 1,100 hours of a single computer game called Overwatch, and I still suck. Wow, uh, let's move on. When I first started at iHeart, they taught me the basics, then gave me my first show. They gave it to me because I didn't know much, and it was supposed to be a light lift. I actually still produce it, and after working on like 30 other shows, I realized why it's so easy. It's called Before Breakfast, and it's about time management, productivity, and work-life balance. The creator and host is Laura Vanderkam, and she obviously practices what she preaches. Each episode is bite-sized, about five minutes each weekday, about a single topic that will improve how you spend your time. Laura sends me a week's worth of episodes almost a month in advance. She also notes the time code anytime she makes a speaking error. She quite literally might be the most efficient host in the entire industry. And the show is incredibly successful. It gets over 10 million downloads a year and has more sponsor requests than anything I've ever seen. Her podcast vocal delivery is so measured and her listeners don't hesitate to let us know anytime I make an error, which we actually really appreciate. Laura is incredibly smart and a genuinely good person. Every time I listen to an episode, I learn something. So, of course, she's the perfect person for this show. My name is Lowell Berlanti, and this is Prodigy. Laura Vanderkam is the author of several time management and productivity books, including Juliet's School of Possibilities, Off the Clock, I Know How She Does It, What the Most Successful People Do Before Breakfast, and 168 Hours. Her work has appeared in publications including the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Fast Company, and Fortune. She is the host of the podcast Before Breakfast and the co-host with Sarah Hart Unger of the podcast Best of Both Worlds. She lives outside Philadelphia with her husband and five children. Here's a clip from a TED Talk she did. When people find out I write about time management, they assume two things. One is that I'm always on time. 
and I'm not. I was once late to my own speech on time management. <laughs> We all had to just take a moment together and savor that irony. I'm fascinated by the concept of time, mostly because it is such a democratic element of our lives. Like everybody has the exact same amount of time, and yet we do entirely different things with it. Um, and and so when you meet these people who are doing amazing things with their lives, I mean, amazing things professionally, and then they also have really cool personal lives too. I mean, who knows what else they have going for them? I, I'm not denying they might be smarter or richer or whatever else than anyone else, but they don't have more time. And so I have long been fascinated by how these people are spending their time and what the rest of us can learn from their allocation of 24 hours um, to see what changes we can make in our own lives as well. So I began exploring that topic probably about a dozen years ago. And then once you start writing about a topic and talking about a topic, you, you know, learn more about it. And so that's what I've been doing ever since. So you were studying the, these like habits and time management of uh, some successful people? I guess so. Yeah. I mean, I started having people track their time for me. And I, I noticed that in the past when I was doing interviews of folks, because I spent a lot of years writing for different publications, um, I would often ask people about their schedules. And it just seemed to be such a practical way to get an insight into their lives. Um, and, and as I wrote about this, I realized that people also have stories about their lives um, that seem interesting to them, like they think they explain what's going on. But it, even so, these stories can be wrong. Um, you have to have people actually keep track of their time. And then you start to see, oh, no, they're really doing this. Or, you know, they say they're doing X, but they're really doing Y. But those are both very interesting things. So I, time is, you know, we all experience time. And yet, what we think we do with our time is often very different from what we actually do with our time. And that gap, that mismatch between ideas and lived reality is so large that I find it fascinating. And, and that's another thing that, that drew me to this topic, too. Well, what's weird for me, it's like, you know, you're supposed to work, what, eight hours a day, but I don't think I could do very high quality for like literally eight straight hours a day. Yeah, well, nobody does. <laughs> I mean, that's the, uh, the the funny part about it. Um, I mean, people take all kinds of breaks. They shift tasks. Um, they go in and out of concentration. And, and that's natural. I mean, that's human nature. We all need breaks. Um, we cannot focus on anything for eight hours straight. Um, and, and that's also one of the reasons that people think they work longer hours than they do. Um, you know, they do other things and come back to it, but somehow the other things are just never there. Um, so people are like, no, I work around the clock. So, well, you probably don't. Um, people track their time. They think they work <laughs> 80 hours a week or something. You track it and it's like 50. Well, 50 is a lot, you know, but it's not 80. Um, and so, you know, we want to make sure we're, we're working from accurate data if we want to make wise choices about our time. Yeah. Well, I will say that you're definitely a good example, at least in my opinion, because um, you're by far the most organized uh, host and get everything like to me very early <laughs> and uh, with notes and stuff. So um, yeah, a bit spoiled there. But um, I was curious because you have four kids or five? I have five now. Um, the, the youngest was born during the course of Before Breakfast being a podcast. So, um. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So 
that I imagine requires a lot of uh, careful time management. <laughs> well, I guess. Um, I mean, I've I've had kids for a long time now, so I don't really know any different way of, of working. Um, and, you know, for any of your listeners, I have very good child care for my kids as well. Um, you know, and my, my husband's equally involved with them too. So it's, it's not like I'm trying to work with five small children sitting around me the whole day. Um, but, you know, it's, I think what many people have have figured out is that um, kids can can force certain efficiencies and certain um, ways of looking at productivity if you want to keep getting things done. And you become a lot more aware that stuff can go wrong. Um, And when you know that stuff can go wrong, you build a lot more space, you build a lot more backup plans into your life. But when you do that, your schedule can be much more resilient. Um, and and so, you know, that's why we've been able to keep putting out a before breakfast podcast every weekday morning for the past two and a half years um, is, you know, we work ahead, have ideas for the next month of episodes. I'm usually recording two to three weeks ahead of time. Um, if I know I have something coming up that will preclude working for a while, I work even farther ahead and try to record, um, you know, and it's a lot of evergreen content. So it's not like I have to react to the day's news. Um, so that's what's made it possible, just that thinking ahead and, and planning for that and making sure we have enough of a buffer so that if something does come up in, in my life, for instance, I still have several weeks before I actually have to, you know, deal with that reality of getting back to recording. Yeah, that planning ahead. I mean, it's supposed to be like a symptom of ADHD, but like it's very, very difficult for me to work on things that aren't sort of like immediate. But uh, I feel like once I get to that part where it's due, I'm like, dang, I wish I'd started on this a while ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I often find that doing a little bit every day is is helpful. And and it doesn't have to be a lot, um, which can be helpful if, if we're, you know, interested by all sorts of things or, you know, like to flip from thing to thing. It's like, well, even, you know, doing, say, 15 minutes on a project, but enough ahead of time um, that you're doing multiple days of 15 minutes on a project can, can build a lot of open space into that time before a deadline um, so it doesn't feel like such a crush at the end. Have you figured out just certain ways that uh, you particularly like work best? I like to write um, in the morning and then I can do other things that don't require quite as much intensive creativity later in the day. Um, So I've really tried to structure my work hours such that I'm working on the things that require the most concentration in the morning. And then, you know, clear the littler things off my to-do list in the afternoon or, you know, right before lunch um, when, when my brain is a bit more tired. And I, I still face the temptation to do it differently. And, and maybe a lot of your listeners can sympathize with this. That you have a long to-do list. What do we think? Like, oh, well, I could knock five of these things right off in the next half hour. So why don't I just do those five things first and then get to the big thing, right? Like, I'll just do myself a favor, do the little stuff, and then I'll get to the big thing. You know exactly where this is going. You're going to run out of steam. You're going to be tired. You're going to be needing to take a break by the time you've gotten through those five small things. 
And you won't get to the big thing until you are less fresh and less able to focus. Um, so don't clear the decks. <laughs> Save that stuff for later. Batch the little things. Do your toughest work when you are best able to handle it. Um, so that's, you know, really been one of my my biggest things. I would say the one other thing that a lot of people find useful and that I really do myself is I plan my upcoming weeks on Fridays. So I take about 20 minutes every Friday to think through the week ahead and say, well, what is most important for me to accomplish professionally? What is most important for me to accomplish in terms of like my relationships? So family, friends, things like that. And what do I want to do personally over the course of the next week? And just figure out, you know, what are the big things in all those categories? When do I plan to do those things? Or if they're going to require multiple steps, where can those little steps to get there go? Um, Make a rough map of the week. You know, it only takes me about 20 minutes to do this. But when I do this every Friday, I have a far better sense of the landscape of what's coming up, you know, what I have committed to do in the future and also what I want to do in the future. Um, And so it just vastly increases the chances that time is spent on those things that I consider priorities. So I'd suggest anyone who's feeling a little like, I've got so much going on, I feel overwhelmed, I don't even know what I have on my plate. Take that time every Friday, just 20 minutes outside your life, looking at your life, saying, what am I doing? What would I like to be doing? What do I need to be doing? What logistics have to happen? You build the habit of doing this and life will feel a lot more calm. Well, I love that. I was about to yeah, ask you about lists, but I never really thought about the idea of having like lists for things other than like work stuff, you know, like, yeah. like personal personal life and stuff too. I have well, I like, love separate, doing those yeah. three categories. And and the idea of making a three category priority list is is in and of itself powerful because like you sit there and make a list with three categories, career, relationships, self. It is so hard to make a three category list and then leave a category blank. Like our brains just don't work that way. They're like, Mm -hmm. well, there's three categories. I better put something in all of these categories. And that (laughs) right there can nudge you to have a far more balanced life because you are actually thinking about it. Yeah, that's really interesting. Your other podcast, uh, could you tell me what that's about? Yeah, so it's called Best of Both Worlds, and I co-host it with Sarah Hart Unger, who is a friend of mine, who is a practicing physician, mom of three, um, blogger. She has another podcast that's called Best Laid Plan. So very busy lady. Um, I really, you know, enjoy talking with her. But the, the two of us talk all things work and family from the perspective of being people who really love both. And I feel like a lot of the literature, a lot of you know podcasts, uh, everything out there tends to pit work against family. Like these are two opposite sides of a scale. If one goes up, the other must go down. And I haven't really found that to be the case much in my own life that, I mean, I, to me, they sort of, it's all one part of my time. And there's also other things I do with my time. It's not like if I, for every given hour I spend at work, I must spend like one less on family. I mean, maybe I spend one less doing laundry. I mean, that's also possible. <laughs> um, so I, we, we come at it from that perspective and we've built a good following of other people who view time that way. So people who generally have, you know, jobs they're into, they really like, they enjoy, um, and who are also enjoying making the most of their, their personal lives too. And we release episodes every Tuesday um, and would love to have people come listen to us. 
Yeah, great. Because before breakfast is, you know, great um, advice. But uh, the other one, it's like two people. So it's like more of a conversation. So I'm sure that one's great, too. All right, let's take a quick break and set some goals. Be right back. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela E is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yimby's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. Welcome back to Prodigy. You can find more info about Laura at lauravandercam.com. That's Cam with a K. I wanted to ask about, would you, like, short-term and long-term goals, um, like, sort of how you, what you, how you work around, like, I guess, figuring them out and scheduling them, uh, especially with long-term ones when it seems like there's so much stuff to do, like, short-term? Yeah, I mean, I, goal setting is a very inexact science, and lots of people have different ways they approach it. Um, I think there's a difference between the sort of long-term bucket list type goals and then the ones we have actually decided to put into our lives in the near future. Um, and, and so by separating these out a little bit, you can feel far more productive in your progress toward goals. So sure, please make the bucket list. Um, I have an exercise I sometimes do with people that in workshops that's called the list of 100 dreams. Um, it's just anything you want to spend more time doing, like 100 things you want to spend more time doing. The idea is it won't just be big stuff because you know, bucket list, people come up with like 20 countries they want to visit and then they stop doing it. Um, But 100 items is pretty hard to get to. So you have to keep coming back to it. Uh, But then once you've got a long list of stuff you might want to focus on, spend time doing, you can do another exercise to kind of drill down to things you want to focus on in the next six to 12 months. And that kind of depends what time of year it is. (laughs) But I like to think of it this way, like in the professional front, you know, picture yourself at the end of the year. And you are giving yourself a performance review. So we're, we're talking in early August. You could pretend it's December of, of this year. And you are looking back over the past year, giving yourself a performance review. And let's say it's been just an absolutely amazing year for you professionally. Like if that were to be the case, what three things would you have done in the course of the year that made it so awesome for you? Right. So you can write those things down. And do this for your personal life as well. Um, you know, picture yourself as a guest at a holiday party at the end of the year. And you're, you're telling people about the amazing things you did in your personal life over the course of the year. And you think about, well, what would those, say, three things be that you would keep telling people about because you were so excited and think that they were such amazing things that happened in the course of the year? And so now between those three professional things and those three things you're talking about at a holiday party, you have a list of six goals for the rest of the year. Like these are the things you want to be talking about at the end of the year. And if you haven't done them by this point in the year, maybe you can use the next four, five months to do them. But now you know them and you know that those are the things 
that should actually start informing your time. Um, you know, the bucket list items are great. Like, yes, go to Fiji at some point. That's awesome. Spend three weeks there. I think you would have an amazing time. Um, but a more immediate goal might be, you know, that you've landed this particular client that you have talked to occasionally, but haven't really put the work into to getting. And, you know, in the next five months, you are going to start your first project with them. Great. Well, that's something you can start putting on your schedule, like call them, have lunch with the people you know there, you know, pitch something to them like this. These are things you can actually do that will be far more likely to lead to the end of your result. Yeah. And how do you how does your list like that and your schedule like manifest? Are you writing it down and on post-it notes or putting it in your calendar? Well, certainly you could. I mean, you can make the list of, of end of your goals on, on whatever you want. Um, you know, some people have fancy planners or, you know, I don't know, you could cross stitch it or whatever you want to do. <laughs> um, but it's more that you know what these things are and, and refer to it frequently because then when you do that Friday planning we talked about, you know, Friday afternoon looking to the next week, you can keep asking yourself, well, am I making steps over the next week toward those larger six to 12 month goals? Like if you want to run a marathon by the end of the year, probably you need some runs on the calendar for the next week. And on Friday, you can look to the next week and say, well, when am I going to do that? You know, when am I going to do my longer run? When am I going to do um, some of my speed work? Put that onto your calendar. Um, and if you keep doing this Friday after Friday, making sure that there is space um, to make steps toward your long-term goals in the week, you are far more likely to actually achieve those long-term goals. Yeah, that's great. I, I definitely uh, need to do that. What are some of the things that you hear a lot from your listeners or just things that really resonate with people, I guess, um, throughout you know the course of making Before Breakfast? Yeah, there's a couple things I've I've said or talked about that I think really flip switches for people. Um, one is to think of life in terms of weeks rather than days. Um, a lot of us are sort of operating on a 24-hour mindset, whereas you know anything that is important to you is supposed to happen in the next 24 hours. And if you haven't done X, Y, or Z in 24 hours, you are in some way a failure. And yet many things in life don't actually have to happen every day in order to still be important in your life. I mean, most people say their jobs are important, but they don't do their jobs all seven days of a week. So why are we only, you know, why do we consider them important if we're only doing them, say, five days a week? Well, you know, there's seven days in a week. I just think people need to view life in terms of 168 hours, which is 24 times seven, rather than 24 I mean, there's just a couple of things just to think about with that. If there's 168 hours in a week and you work 40 hours a week, so pretty standard full-time job, and sleep eight hours a night, which is 56 hours a week, you have 72 hours for other things, which is a lot of time. I mean, it's almost twice as much time as you are working. And yet almost anything you read about full-time jobs and full-time work, it, it emphasizes the full, like it takes the full amount of your time. And like, clearly it doesn't, right? And yet this semantics has us thinking in terms of like, oh, only Tuesday, like the Tuesday is the only day that matters or something. And so we don't see the week in its entirety. Um, so I find that that's something that has really shifted a lot of people's thinking um, just about how they view time. Anything you do three to four times a week is important in your life. But that doesn't mean it has to happen Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I mean, it could happen Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and it would be just as important. Um, but, you know, 
we don't have to focus on only only the weekdays to to make something um, seem important to us. Yeah. So thinking of things in sort of like a broader scale as opposed to just like immediate. Well, because we don't live our lives in days. Like, I mean, we, you know, Tuesday and Saturday both have 24 hours and yet they look very different for people. Um, whereas a week is a repeating cycle of life as it is actually lived. Like you can start to see what life might look like because that is, you know, the unit of repetition. Um, so it, it, it just is a better way to view time than any given 24 hours, which might be highly unrepresentative depending on which 24 hours you pick. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I, I never really thought about that. But yeah, that does make a lot of sense. But yeah, is there is there other stuff or anything else? Um, well, you know, I've had people track their time and a lot of people do not want to do this, <laughs> which yeah, I understand. Right. <laughs> I mean, it sounds tedious. It sounds not fun. And I know, I mean, well, I've, I've actually been tracking my time on weekly spreadsheets for six years now. Um, so I know how I've spent every half hour of my time for the past six years. And I am not about to tell anyone about like, you know, it's boring for <laughs> anyone else other than me. But um, I find it worthwhile because we do tell ourselves all sorts of stories about where the time goes. And these stories may or may not be accurate. So in order to get the most out of our time, I think we need accurate data. And the only way to really get that is to actually track your time. Um, I'd suggest people do it for a week, again, because a week is the cycle of life as we live it. And, you know, how you spend Tuesday needs to be you know, viewed alongside how you spend Saturday if you really want to see what your life looks like. Um, but almost everyone who has tried this has been like, oh, that is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, I never knew I did X. I never knew I spent that much time on Y. Um, I thought I worked this amount and I work this amount, or I thought I was always emptying the dishwasher and it turns out I spent less than half an hour on it in the course of the week. Like these are just various things people see. Um, and, and once you see the data, you can adjust your story to reflect the data. Um, well, as long as you want to adjust your story, sometimes people don't, but that's a, a different matter. Um, but, but I feel like when we have accurate data, then we can make wise choices about our time. This may be sort of like a broad, uh, difficult question, but like, I imagine a lot of people want to be promoted, um, you know, and or like, you know, get a better job or what, and they may be working towards that. Like, have you seen any things that um, have worked for people um, that are like for, for trying to do that? Thinking about sort of paying into your career, like building in time that is not just about doing your day-to-day -day deliverables, but thinking about the broad picture of your career, um, what skills you have and how you can spend time developing those skills, uh, who you know, like what your network looks like, because um, that is honestly the way it's going to wind up happening is that, you know, you've worked with a manager tangentially in a different part of the company and they have a better role that opens up. They think of you. It's it's not like it's magically going to happen. It's that you met them um, through the course of doing something or somebody at a different organization that you met um, at a conference a year ago and they think of something and you kept in touch and now you go apply for it and you've got a leg up for that. Um, so it's thinking about how you can build in time for making and maintaining those relationships, um, for figuring out what skills are generally important, and, and just sort of being open to trying things, um, you know, that aren't just 
what is immediately in front of you. Um, so stepping back and taking that broader perspective of what else would I like to see in my professional life? Where can I find space for that? Um, and, and then making that happen. Is there anything else that you want to mention? I wasn't going to ask any more questions. <laughs> um, I don't know, you know, I, well, I think that, um, you know, when it comes to time, we spend a lot of time thinking about what we don't want to do, like what we want to spend less time doing. And, and so much of time management is kind of focused on this, like, how can I spend less time in my inbox? How can I shorten my meetings? How can I, you know, like spend less time washing the dishes or whatever it is, some hack we're going to find for this that magically is going to shave 30 seconds off your dishwashing time, uh, which would be awesome. But like, it's not going to change your life. Um, what changes your life is thinking about what you want to spend more time doing and figuring out how you can scale those things up. Um, so whether that's the deep work at work or the networking or skill development, or whether it's more um, time spent in quality relationship building, whether it's more time for hobbies or exercise, anything that's you know boosting your own personal or spiritual health, like these are all things that we might want to spend more time doing. And figuring out how we can scale those things up is just gonna be so much more likely to change your life than figuring out how you can spend two minutes less on washing the dishes or getting ready in the morning or anything like that. So, you know, I challenge people to really think about time with that in mind, that if you put in the important stuff first, everything else kind of shrinks um, to allow for those big things to be there. God, every time we talk or I work on your show, I just always feel like I'm learning something. So <laughs> I really appreciate it. Uh, well, thank you. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate you uh, having me on. Thanks to Laura. I highly recommend her podcast Before Breakfast and Best of Both Worlds. For actionable tips delivered directly to your inbox, you can subscribe to her newsletter at lauravandercam.com. That's Cam with a K. Prodigy was created and produced by me, Lowell Berlanti. The executive producer is Tyler Klang. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council.